You know, just because a particular subject might be a little bit difficult or challenging for a kid or, or even for ourselves as educators, it's still important that we help kids have a positive experience with that subject. On today's episode, we're going to chat with the director of the National Museum of Math all about why it's so important to get kids to see beyond just the arithmetic in their classroom. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and so excited to be able to bring stories of people making STEM relevant to our kids each and every day. Today, we get to chat with the executive director and CEO of the award-winning National Museum of Mathematics in New York City. You can find out more about the museum at momath.org. That's M-O-M-A-T-H.org. Welcome to the show today, Cindy Lawrence. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so excited because I've heard about the Museum of Math. I have yet to go there. It's on my bucket list, my my nerdy bucket list. But tell us a little bit about, first of all, the museum. So first of all, since you mentioned having a nerdy bucket list, I will tell you (laughs) that for all the nerds out there, you are really going to like this museum. But for all your friends and family members who would not classify themselves as nerds, they will love the museum. That's awesome. Bring your friends, bring your family. You will all have a wonderful time. That's good, because that's what we want to do. We got we to hook other people to be nerds just like us, right? Absolutely. But also, there's a part of math that's aesthetic and beautiful and fun and playful. And that's the part we try to highlight. So even for people who didn't have a positive experience with mathematics in their school days, there's something here for you. It's Kind of like if you weren't good in art class when you were in school, you weren't the the kid who was really good at painting and drawing, you can still go to an art museum and have an awesome afternoon and be inspired by something you see or something you experience. And so we really do welcome everyone and hope that everyone will come, not just those who already know they like math, but those who don't like math or don't really know what math quite is beyond school. Yeah. And Cindy, that, that's a great point that you bring up about some kids. Uh, some of us as adults have not had all the great positive experiences related to math growing up. And, and sometimes, that, again, that can taint how we view math. And so the museum is really that opportunity to help break down some of those barriers and make it uh, fun and enjoyable and exciting. And like you talked about, and we'll talk about it throughout the episode, some of the hands-on and wonder and beauty that that is involved in math. Now, it was started in 2012, but it, actually the story started earlier than that. I want you to tell a little bit about the history of the museum and and kind of where it's at now. But educators, we're going to hear some great ideas and and some of the things that they have, some of the uh, resources available, and even just get some ideas about maybe making some museum type aspects in your own classroom. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, how it got started? Sure. So the museum was started initially because there had been a small museum of mathematics in Nassau County on Long Island, and that museum had run out of money and shut down. And there was a mathematician who was a friend of mine. Our kids were friends and he heard that it shut down and he decided that was an opportunity and that he would open a museum that would maybe have more ambition and be a little bit bigger than the original. Mm -hmm. And he happened to mention it to me. I thought it was a fabulous idea and I volunteered to help. One of the first things that, that he and we were going to do was 
bring something to the World Science Festival in 2009. And they had come to us saying they were a STEM festival, but they realized they didn't have much M in their STEM. Yeah. We were just organizing a committee and starting to talk about what a math museum might be like. Mm -hmm. And I made the, I don't know, was it a mistake or not a mistake? I guess not a mistake, <laughs> but I raised my hand Yeah. and I said, I don't think you should tell them we'll come next year because they want something this year. They want something now. Yeah. And if we don't provide something math related now, they'll probably find it somewhere else and they may not come back to us next year. Yeah. So just tell them yes. And then we'll figure out what we'll do. Hear that, teachers? That's the same thing you got to do with your kids, right? All the time, right? Just get excited, say, let's try it. And um, so you you did it. You jumped in, you you started creating this, this big exhibit, right? Exactly. So, but my role in that uh, started at that moment because Glenn's response was, well, if that's how you feel, are you willing to chair the committee that will figure out what we're going to do at the World Science Festival? <laughs> what I didn't realize was in Glenn's mind, he had great ambitions, was to build a traveling exhibit, but not to waste money building something for one day, rather to build something that would then have a life beyond that festival and would travel around the country to museums and science centers. That's awesome. And so it was awesome, except I never would have volunteered for that. <laughs> um, wow. And I really fell in love with the project. And mm. I had another job at the time that I had had for 18 years. And so this was sort of a side thing. I was volunteering, yeah. but ultimately I realized I was putting in more hours volunteering than I was working at my own job. Yeah. And the thing I wasn't doing so much of anymore was sleeping <laughs> and um, pulling all nighters was something I hadn't done since I was a college student, but there I was many years post-college once or twice a week needing to pull an all-nighter to get my work done for my real job so that I could do my volunteering that I was having so much fun with. Right. So ultimately I was convinced to quit my job and, you know, kind of jump in with both feet yeah. building this traveling exhibition, which turned out to be a proof of concept for building a permanent museum, which That's is what awesome. we ended up doing. And really a lot of those, those things that you created uh, turned into exhibits that you have and, and even into some, some traveling exhibits that you still have going on today as well. Exactly. So we built a big traveling exhibition and we did travel it around the country for five years, which was our plan. Wow. And during those five years, we often would hear from teachers who had taken their students to visit the exhibition while it was at their local museum or science center. And they wanted to know how they could get some of these exhibits in their classroom. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't bring the full traveling exhibit because it was too large and required too much time for too long a period to have it. But what we could do was choose some of the exhibits that we thought we could make portable. Yeah. And we did that. And we chose six of the exhibits from the original big exhibition. We made them portable. We called it. So the original exhibition was called the Math Midway. And we called this Math Midway to go. Yeah, And we now have three copies of Math Midway to Go that we continue to travel around the country. So any educators out there that are interested, get in touch and yeah. we'd be happy to talk to you about bringing this or sending this to your school. And they so can find out about that at momath.org. So. Yes, momath.org is where you'll find everything. You but I do want to mention something else that happened that day at that first World Science Festival a gentleman came by with his two sons and when he saw how engaged his sons were, mm -hmm. he came right over to us and he said, I want to be more involved in this program. What are you doing? I want to help. Yeah. And he ended up becoming a trustee of the museum. And the reason I mention him is because one of the things he really wanted to do 
was find a way to help teachers get kids excited in the classroom about mathematics. The gentleman's name was Saul Rosenthal. And with his support, we started something called the Rosenthal Prize for Innovation. And what we do is we give a $25,000 cash award to one teacher every year who's come up with something innovative that they're doing in the classroom. The money is for them. But what we do is we take their lesson plan and we post it online. And so if you go to rosenthalprize.momath.org, you'll see all the lessons from all the years we've been doing this, all of which we hope are things you can do in an everyday classroom situation that don't require a lot of resources or a lot of unusual items, and all of which we think will help captivate students. This summer, we even have something more exciting, the Rosenthal Prize Institute we're running, And we are bringing teachers from around the country to MoMath for three days to really immerse themselves in the prior Rosenthal prize winning lessons and go back and take those lessons to their communities. So we hope to disseminate all those wonderful lesson plans still further. Yeah. And we also hope that some of those teachers may turn around and apply for the prize next year and, and maybe have a leg up on, on winning the prize. That's awesome. So, so many resources already that you've mentioned, Cindy, and, and educators, if you're thinking, okay, what was that link that she said? Uh, don't worry, we'll have all those in the show notes. You can click on those uh, and find out about the mm to go the Rosenthal Prize and, and the Institute as well. Uh, and, and even if this is not 2022 summer, when you're listening to this, you can still uh, be checking out all these things in the future because these things uh, continue to go on. Uh, You've already been in existence for 10 years, started the actual physical museum on what date? 12-12-12. Perfect date for a math museum, right? So here here they are 10 years later, incredible opportunity to be able to uh, inspire kids. Uh, Teachers, I assume, have brought kids. Uh, Families have brought kids. There's so many different types of exhibits that you have there at the museum. Maybe tell some of the the listeners about just some of the the fun, maybe top exhibits that, that are available there. Absolutely. So our most popular exhibit and the one that has been written about in many languages in many countries around the world is a square wheeled tricycle. We actually have two, an adult size and a smaller one for kids. And you wouldn't think something with square wheels can be ridden and and would work. It seems like it would just sit flat on the floor. And that's true if you're on a flat floor. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of mathematics is that it helps us make things that seem like they might be impossible, possible. We couldn't go to the moon without mathematics. We couldn't be having this video call without mathematics. And you can't ride a square wheel tricycle without mathematics telling you how to do it. So it is probably the one spot in the museum where the most pictures have been taken. (laughs) What we hope is that that exhibit and other exhibits in the museum will inspire people to realize that math makes things that seem impossible possible. But for some number of students, they might wonder how we knew what shape that track needed to be Mm -hmm. to make perfectly with a rolling square. Well, it turns out you need calculus to answer that question. So some kids, maybe even kids long before they get to calculus are going to start to wonder about this. And maybe we have the wonders of the internet today, Mm -hmm. go online and read about it and be inspired to learn something 
about mathematics that helped us create an exhibit that brings such joy to people. Yeah. And again, some of those things, they can just spark that little bit, those, those seeds of, of interest of math that, that then grow into to other things. And, um, and for an educator that that's teaching maybe a high school level class, they can refer back to some of those things. And it's a, it's a great real life connection, those real world connections. And, and so many of the exhibits, uh, if you, if you uh, look online at the, at the website, again, M O M A T H.org from different things about, uh, strings and and structures tracks uh tubes and and twisted things uh counting <laughs> monkeys uh games puzzles uh putting pieces together you know educators if you look at this or if you go to the museum you're going to get so many ideas of things to bring back for demonstrations or or putting some centers in your own classrooms yeah it's funny hearing that sort of conglomeration of words is really fun for me because every word you're mentioning, I know which exhibit you're talking about. (laughs) But I think the point of some of the things you're mentioning is that these are words that kind of sound fun, right? Yeah. Like you're talking about monkeys and strings and we don't think about math as being fun or creative or playful. We think about it as being something that you're taught a series of steps. You follow those steps, you come up with an answer and that's math. Mm-hmm. And that's actually arithmetic, not mathematics. And so we definitely try to distinguish between the two. And so, for example, um, right behind me, it's a giant square built into the floor. And we call mm-hmm. it the math square. And there are quite a number of different programs that rotate on that floor all day long. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you about one in particular, because it was designed by students We have an open API. We had a weekend hackathon and we invited anybody, adults and students alike, to come in. And a team of high school students created uh, an exhibit for this platform we have that was so lovely that it became immediately put into rotation for the public. Wow. And you mentioned strings and it's sort of like a string art in a way. What happens is if you can picture a circle that might be the sun and a person takes a step onto the floor and mm-hmm. wherever they put that first footfall creates an orbit around that sun. So a circle starts with a, where they put their foot and the circle starts rotating around the sun and it creates a line, which is a circle, you know, yep. moving around. But now a second person steps on the floor at a different spot, a different radius from the center mm-hmm. and their planet has its own orbit. But what happens is their planet and your planet are connected as they're both moving by straight lines only. And as they move around, those straight lines do something unusual. They start to create curves, even though the only thing that ever happens in this program is that one planet rotating around connects to another planet rotating around. that's at a different radius, only with straight lines. The combination of all these lines forms a curve and it's colorful and beautiful and surprising. And one thing I can tell everyone is that we loved it so much, we made a sort of an uh, online version of it. Oh. So anybody who likes can go to venus, V-E-N-U-S dot momath dot org and just click on the screen. You'll create a planet that's mimicking what would happen in the museum when you put a foot onto the square and you'll play with it and you'll see what I mean. That's awesome. And there are a whole bunch of virtual things and and events on the website as they go on uh, throughout the the school year, throughout the summer that that teachers can can join in and and be involved in. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about some of those as well, Cindy. Yeah. So interestingly, we were very much a physical only museum in the center of Midtown Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And then 2020 came and the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. We actually 
had been thinking about what would happen if the pandemic maybe forced us to close for a week or two. Um, yeah. I yeah. can't say we thought we'd be closed for more than a year, which is what happened. And so we started already in February looking into what it would cost to have a Zoom room, how many people could be in a Zoom room, how it might work. Yeah. Again, never thinking that we would actually need this. It was very yep. much uh, just a conversation. Like you have a fire drill, but you don't really expect there to ever be a fire. Yep, yep. So, but you know what? But math is like that. You have to prepare for all those different possibilities. So great job absolutely. that you did that. And, and it ended up being a whole bunch of different virtual okay. events. And so we started doing things on Zoom and doing things online. And that was actually something we'd often thought would be a good idea, but we just didn't have the resources. We were so busy running the museum and having visitors and classrooms and field trips Mm -hmm. But now suddenly the physical museum was closed. And so we turned our entire attention of our full staff toward online programming. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we now have participants in our programs from 125 countries. Wow. Which, you know, we did not have that before. So it and really almost by default caused your growth to, to be exponential. Absolutely so. And we did that. And found there were some benefits to that. Uh, namely, we could have presenters from all over the world that we didn't have to worry about the logistics and the expense of mm -hmm. bringing them to New York City. Yeah. And we found there were connections that could be made. You know, that everybody was, was staying at home and isolating. And that was a very lonely time for people. And so the ability to form connections with people across the country or around the world at a time when you maybe didn't have your friends or your family with you. Mm -hmm. um, the ability for us to connect people that had worldwide reputations, amazing people with anyone and everyone to be able to say you were in a Zoom room with this person or that person who before you might never have had a chance to meet. Right. And even for a lot of children who were struggling with Zoom school, we were something that was both entertaining, but also educational. And we got a lot of feedback from parents and teachers that they they really appreciated this. And we even started doing online field trips. And that's something we continue to this day. That's awesome. When the museum reopened, we immediately had a lot of emails from people around the world saying, boy, we're not in New York. We don't expect to ever be in New York. We hope you're not going to go back to just being a physical museum. We really hope you'll continue with online programming. And so we have made every effort and continue to do that. That's awesome. And so for teachers, educators listening around the country or around the world, you can book a field trip now without having to book airfare or get yeah. on a train or a bus to come to New yeah. York. That's awesome. So it just opens it up to, to even more possibilities. And again, it's all about uh, building those, those that seed of excitement about for kids and, and helping them to to get past that question that they all ask, when are we ever going to use this math? Why do I have to use this math? Because frankly, we, we all face that as educators and trying to, to help uh, make those, those real hands-on connections that, um, that are right. so valuable and for kids. My answer to that is always, okay, first of all, there is a tremendous amount of utility in math. I mentioned cell phones before. Yeah. I didn't mention things like traffic light coordination. I didn't oh, mention yeah. things like, garbage collection. I didn't mention things like FedEx or airline oh, routing. Incredible. All of those things wouldn't be possible or wouldn't be possible to do as well or as efficiently without mathematics. Yeah. So there's a definite utility there. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But also when you learn mathematics, you learn to think logically, you learn to problem solve, you mm-hmm. learn to think creatively about how to solve a problem you maybe haven't seen before. Yeah. So when we teach children and, and students to think mathematically, we are actually setting them up for success in all kinds of things they might do that they might not think about necessarily as being yeah. math. Yeah. And then the last thing I like to say is it's not all about utility. We don't go to an art museum because we hope <laughs> to leave being able to be the next Da Vinci. We right. go to an art museum to have an experience, to have an aesthetic, enjoyable experience that is a very human endeavor. And so there's a part of math that I think you don't see when you're in elementary school or middle school or high school. You only begin to see it in college and especially if you major in math or go beyond a bachelor's into graduate school in mathematics, you start to see some beautiful parts that you don't get to see in the beginning. And I like to say it's comparable to music. Mm. When you hear a beautiful symphony played by a wonderful orchestra, that's just a moving, emotional, heartwarming experience. When you want to learn to do that, You pick up an instrument, whatever it is, and you have to learn how to read the notation, the music. You have to learn the mechanics of how to hold your hands or how to blow out of your mouth in a certain way. It doesn't sound good in the beginning. It's not not so much fun to practice. You do a lot of your scales up and down, up and down. That's not the symphony you were hoping to play. But if you do all of that, then you prepare yourself to be able to create that symphony. And so I do like to say that MoMath in some way exists to be the symphony of mathematics. Yes, what you learn in the classroom is absolutely important because we couldn't create the world that we created at MoMath without many people knowing the basics and moving beyond that and coming up with some really wonderful ways to share that with a general audience. Right. Wow. That's so inspiring, Cindy. Uh, I really, really appreciate me as a, as a math teacher and a a math major in college myself, um, just to, to hear all that expressed like that is so uh, inspiring and and to help our kids to realize that, yeah, to get to that symphony level. Yeah. You have to pick up the instrument and you have to practice and, and to get good at it. And that's, that's a great reminder for, for each one of our students in our classrooms. So really. If I could say one more thing about education and students in the classroom that I think is important. Somehow in our culture, we have this sense that there are some people that are math people and some people that aren't, (laughs) which I think is a fiction. And I want to make another analogy to music, which is there are some children that are innately talented at music. They may have perfect pitch. They may sit down on a piano and be able to mimic a song they just heard on the radio without ever having had a lesson, right. which is amazing. It's an amazing talent. And if there's a child in a classroom who raises their hand when they're asking who wants to be part of the band, who wants to learn an instrument, no teacher or parent or adult would ever say to that child, well, wait, that other kid in the other classroom next door has perfect pitch and can sit down and play its song on the piano without a lesson. Mm -hmm. That's the music kid. You should find something else to do. We would never say that. Right. But somehow when there are kids and there are kids who are innately talented in mathematics or innately talented at sports or art or any number of things, but somehow when we see kids who are innately gifted in mathematics and we realize that our child or our student or ourselves, that we are not that, There's a sense of, oh, I'm not a math person, or that's not a math kid. 
Right. But it's really no different for music. Just because there are some people that seem to have an easy time of it doesn't mean that if you want to be a mathematician or use math or be a scientist or be an astronaut, all of which, by the way, require advanced mathematics, right. that you can't do that. It, yeah. Just because it doesn't come as easily to you as someone else, it just takes practice. It yeah. just takes a will and a desire and an intention. Yeah. And we understand that with music very easily. Mm-hmm. And so we let any child who wants to take up an instrument, we don't tell any child you can't do that. Right. Somehow, indirectly, maybe in some cases, or inadvertently, or uh, subconsciously even, yeah. sometimes we give kids the message that if you don't get that right away, and somebody else did, maybe math is not for you. Right. And so I, I would encourage everyone to think about whether there's any subconscious bit of that in your own mind. And I say that as someone who did have that in my own mind before I got involved with this. I did think, um, and I'll say I have three children. They're all very mathematically talented. They weren't all demonstrating that at very early ages. Mm -hmm. And I did think to myself, well, maybe this child is going to be very good in math and this child is going to be very good in something else. And if you looked at my three kids, they're all adults today. They all have careers in math or math aligned fields. And you would not have any idea which child struggled a little bit more than the others in the early stages. So I'm a very strong believer in every child can succeed in math and we might just have to find different ways to reach them. Yep. Appreciate that. That's so, so right on, Cindy. Again, great chatting with with you today, Cindy. Cindy Lawrence, the executive director and CEO of the uh, award-winning National Museum of Mathematics in New York City. I I do want to ask one final question. If you could have someone come and be that ultimate guest at your museum, who would that be? So it's a person I've I've asked multiple times quickly, and you'll understand why quickly uh, in a moment to come to the museum and I haven't been successful, but I would be so delighted if Michelle Obama would come visit the museum. And I say quickly because I did have occasion to meet her more than once, but in a situation with lots of crowds where she's just Mm -hmm. walking by and shaking people's hands. So throwing out an invitation in that environment doesn't necessarily register. But I thought she was a, a wonderful role model for women and for black people in our country. And these are two groups that are very underrepresented in mathematics. So we are very much hoping to get young girls and young black people to understand that math is a place where they belong and they should come. And I feel like if I could have Michelle Obama in the museum, that would immediately speak to many young people that math is a place where they belong. So if anybody hears this, who knows Michelle Obama, please give her my invitation. All right, there we go. Reach out if, if anybody happens to know. And again, it, like you were mentioning earlier, Cindy, it really is. It's for, for every kid, every day to have that opportunity to do something. It's incredible. And, and math is is really available for each and every one of those kids and, and helping them to see and realize that that opportunity really works for them. So I really appreciate uh, chatting with you today. Again, uh, educators, check out momath.org and, and click all the links in the show notes as well. And just uh, keep up the great work that you're doing there at the museum. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And and again, uh, educators, remember you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app, leave a review to help more educators find out about great places like the National Museum of Mathematics in New York City and, and all the great people doing amazing things to help more and more kids each and every day get excited about STEM. Keep up the great work, educators. And if you need to connect with me, head to dailystem.com. 
And until then, make education, make that math, make that STEM for each and every kid every day.